Did you know that most of what you do every day is controlled by your mindset? Yep, we are basically running on autopilot. So how do you make sure that your autopilot is actually serving you and your team? Well, we're going to find out right now. Today's guest is Susan Hobson. Susan is a high-performance leadership coach, founder CEO of Elite High Performance Inc., host of the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast, author, and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Susan's science-based elite high-performance coaching process leverages her firsthand experience of competing in some of the most competitive environments, including the National Women's Hockey League. She now leads a practice of high-performance mindset coaches and works with some of the world's highest-performing people and teams, including professional athletes, C-suite executives, and entrepreneurs. Susan and I talk about the importance of mindset and how it basically impacts everything you do as a manager. We get into different mindset beliefs and how they can help or hinder us, how to engage your team in shifting mindsets, the difference between achievement and performance, leadership 2.0, and as usual, so much more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Susan. I'm super excited to get to interview you because a few weeks ago, I get to got to be on your show and it was such a fun conversation so i'm really excited for you to be here now and sharing all of your wisdom and insights with my audience i'm so excited too let's get this party started all right today we are talking all things mindset and this is just it's such an important part of how we show up and do our work day after day and it's really like how we are in life right like mindset is just with us all the time. You have a, a unique-ish, I think, something I was new to me at least, <laughs> way of thinking about our mindsets. And it's called mindset architecture. Can you talk about what that is? Yes. I love that we're starting speaking about mindset because I feel like in the leadership world, this really is what differentiates us here at Elite High Performance Coaching, which is the business that I founded 15 years ago and how we intersected when you came on our podcast. So mindset really is a terminology just for your listeners out there who haven't really maybe dug into what mindset actually means. Because I feel like nowadays we see that term all over social media, don't we? Mindset is everything. So mindset is a term that comes from neuroscience. It just simply refers to this playbook of beliefs that we have back here in the subconscious part of our brain, you know, that part of the brain that's responsible for the autopilot. Turns out 95% of our choices all day long (laughs) being governed by the mindset in our autopilot. We're not even aware that we're making them, why we're making them most times. And it's very significant, right? It's most of the decisions that we're making. So it carries a lot of weight in terms of our behavior. And obviously, our behavior is what creates the quality of results that we're able to manifest in any area of performance. And so mindset strategy architecture, which is sort of the terminology that I came up with to describe our process and how we work with our leaders, really refers to, yeah, just teaching our leaders how to think, right, strategically so that they actually can achieve the types of results that they're looking to achieve, right, in their businesses. First of all, I love this idea that our mindset is like what our autopilot is and how it's kind of it's running in the back. It's shaping everything we do and we're not really aware of it. 
but it's just how we show up every day. And then you see instantly how powerful that is. And if your mindset is not supportive or productive for you, it is going to have those huge ripple effects in so many ways. So that just like let's let's think like let that sink in to be like, yes, your mindset is probably the most important thing that's running your life. (laughs) And most people don't even realize what type of playbook of beliefs they're running on, right? Like the beliefs are the point A in mindset strategy, the results being the point B, right? Um, And most people don't even understand like what strategies they're running on because those beliefs really were established for most of us pre-10 years old. And if we haven't sat in the chair with a mindset coach, right, we probably haven't really affected much change on that mindset. So I just think like, yeah, that for me, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was a professional athlete. It took me all the way until the top of my sport to even get exposed to the terminology of mindset and really learn that my performance, even though I'd been in the gym and skating hard on the ice and my physical training, my performance was 90% mental because it was coming from the autopilot, right? Those decisions that were being governed by those beliefs that were hardwired pre-10 years old. I just thought that was so game changer when I first discovered it. Completely. I don't remember who originally said this quote, but my dad used to say it to me all the time when I was younger, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're You're right. right. Yeah, I love that. That's exactly it. Literally. Can you give us a couple examples of what these mindsets might be or are and kind of how they are shaping our autopilot world? Yeah. So a good example of a belief system that is formed when we're kids is just the belief system of how good or not good we are, right? And I think that that really can show up in every space and place in in your life, right? So if you have a belief system, right, that you're good enough, then obviously that's going to translate into your standards, right? Into the the things that you expect of yourself and of others and of your life and of your career. Whereas if you have a belief system that was established pre-10 years old that convinces you that you're not good enough, which was my case and how I came to this work to begin with, then that can manifest in all kinds of crazy ways, like perfectionism, like people pleasing, like being the caretaker and putting everybody else's needs ahead of your own. Because now you have to go hit that ground running every single day to fill that deficit of worth, right? You have to super compensate by going out and controlling all of these external results just so you can get the validation that day to feel like you're enough. And that's a wild ride for any high achiever out there. I know you're you're resonating with this one, right? Because it's just such a deficit way to live. We we call it striving because that's what it looks like on the outside, but really on the inside, it's just surviving. Because when you wake up the next day, you got to go do it all over again, right? And this is where where we see burnout and all those types of brick walls in terms of our performance. Yeah, and I feel like the other side of that is the avoidance. They're like taking yourself out of the game before it's even started. I tell this to my kids all the time. Don't bench yourself before the coach has a chance to Love put you that. in. It's so true. It's, it's so, so true. true. We were like, if we don't, if we don't think we're good enough, we don't apply for that extra promotion or we don't take on that bigger project. We don't raise our hand for an opportunity. And I think the key for managers, too, is to see this in our people and notice not just for ourselves, but which of our people might be sitting in that mindset where they're not volunteering themselves or they're 
working so hard all the time just to keep up and make it appear like they're really, really deserve this job or deserve that next thing. And they're uh, honestly, they're trying to prove that every single day in some like super compensation way, right? Hyper arousal. High achievers call it motivation. It's not. It's anxiety. (laughs) But you know, when somebody is constantly and chronically trying to prove themselves every day, it's because they don't actually believe that. And they need They need the world to tell them that that's true, to validate that. And that's really problematic for our growth, right? When we start to like outsource our power in that need for external validation. I'm going to give another example because like I know you could probably relate to this one. I I definitely, this is where I came to this work in, in the first place. We were just resonating off camera a second ago about the fact that your sister and I actually went to Princeton together, which is so wild. But I I experienced that massive brick wall myself when I arrived on the Princeton campus my, my freshman year and was riddled with imposter syndrome, which is like so fascinating to my adult self. Because intellectually, I had all the proof and evidence that I was good enough to be there. But because I was no longer the smartest kid in the room, right, or the fastest one on the ice, and I was at the back of the pack, all of a sudden I couldn't get that validation, I went into a tailspin. Like, who am I on the dorm room phone to my mom and I, who am I to be in the classes with the world's smartest kids? I can't even raise my hand. I'm so scared, you know? And so, yeah, I just think um, it, it carries so much weight, right? Because ultimately our belief systems are the ground on which we stand when we relate to ourselves on a moment to moment basis and that affects everything. I feel like another one of the mindsets I hear a lot about and have studied myself is growth mindset and fixed mindset. Can you talk about that? that dimension? Yeah. So this really comes from the work of Dr. Carol Dweck. She wrote a book on the very concept, right, called Mindset. And uh, I like to put this into the context of the high achiever and the high performer. So the fixed mindset is the mindset of a high achiever. They're the ones we just described who are striving, 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 because really they need to survive by getting that constant and chronic external validation. And this is because they run on fixed beliefs like I'm only as good as my latest win, right? And so for me, in my example at Princeton, if I can't get on the ice, how the heck am I even going to be able to do that? So a fixed mindset believes that our intelligence and our capacity and our competency is fixed or finite, especially once we get beyond like our schooling years. We just think we're cooked and we can't affect change on it. Whereas the growth mindset, the mindset of the high performer, right, believes that there's always more to discover in our capacity, right? That there's always more to learn. And so that's what really primes that type of brain to be in a curious state, right? Where they're actually just looking at results as feedback, not failure. You know what I mean? Like it's intel that's showing up on the play that you're supposed to curiously dial into because that's really where you're going to get the opportunity for growth. That's where you're going to discover more of your capacity. And so when you look at this, I found this so fascinating when I was learning about this in class, you look at this on a growth chart, you see that rate of growth in a fixed mindset is very stagnant, whereas that of the growth mindset, the rate of growth is very steep trajectory, right? This is where, you know, you run on mindset strategies like progression rather than perfection, right? So 
the fixed mindset needs it to be perfect in order to get that external validation. Anything less than that will elicit shame, right? Because it's seen as failure. You're, it's a reminder that you're not good enough. Whereas the progressionist, the goal really is to just show up and do the best with the capacity that you have. And that's a goal that you can always reach. It's inside of you, right? It's intrinsic motivation, and therefore it's always in your control. And that's what keeps you in that really optimal, resourceful state for growth. I love that. I I mean, this idea of a progressionist versus a perfectionist, I'm like, I'm putting that one in my back pocket right now. I, I love that because it's a way of life. It is. And it really, it gets to how you operate through the day, right? Like how do you experience an interaction? How do you experience a project you're working on or a setback or even a win, right? It puts it all in a totally different context when your goal is to just keep doing a little bit better, keep learning, as opposed to your goal being to accomplish something big and prove yourself. This is where a high performer gets to thrive, not just survive, right? Because ultimately, you're not in a deficit chasing your goals. You're not in scarcity in the nervous system. We just said that's anxiety, folks. It's not motivation. <laughs> Whereas a progressionist has everything that they need inside of them, right? And that ultimately puts them into the abundance mindset. And that's where you have max resources to play with. That's where you get to access your flow state, people. That's where you get the highest ROI emotionally because that's where you experience peak levels of passion, joy, fulfillment, right? Like the confidence, the motivation we just talked about a second ago. That's where you're you're totally hooked up and, and resourcing everything that you need to play your biggest impact game. Hey there, Mamie here. Just a quick and exciting update for all of you who are enjoying the Modern Manager podcast. The Modern Manager membership community is getting a minor makeover and it is now called the Podcast Plus membership. And you can sign up for it and join a community of managers determined to do better every day. You'll get full access to our Slack channel, sketch notes with key takeaways from each episode, all types of guest bonuses, and the members only podcast, which is ad-free and has extended interviews. So you get to hear the answers to my juiciest questions without interruptions like this one. Sign up today for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. Can't wait to see you there. Can we flip the the script here and think about if you're a manager and you're like, yeah, okay, I maybe I see where I might need to shift myself, but I'm looking at my team and I'm trying to figure out how do I help my team embrace these mindsets so that they are approaching work from an abundance. They're not striving for perfectionism. What are some of the things that managers can do to help collectively either an individual on their team who maybe is struggling or the collective team to embrace these mindsets? So the number one play in the Leadership 2.0 playbook, I know we're going to talk about Leadership 2.0 in a second, but just real quick for your people, this is the new school neuroscience-backed form of best practices here in the leadership development world in 2023. This is the heart-centric, human-centric approach, right? The number one play is the model carries the most weight. And what that means is if you're if you only have one choice that you can make as a manager that's going to have the biggest impact on the growth of your people, right? On the impact that you're setting your people up to have in your business, in your organization, it's to be in the integrity 
of the model that you want them to follow. Only 7% of communication is what we're saying to our people. The other whopping 93% is nonverbal, right? 55% is just the way we are in our body language. The other 38% is just the way we talk and the energy and inflection and tonality in our voice. And guess where all of that 93% is coming from? It's coming from your autopilot's coming from your mindset, right? It's coming from the way that you relate to yourself in your self-leadership. And so an example of this is where you would stand at the front of the room as somebody who is exemplifying a growth mindset and being a progressionist, where you would run into not having an answer. A, a, a high achiever you know, fixed mindset might get into anxiety, right? Because they don't have it perfectly figured out and they're at the front of the room and oh no, that means they're an imposter. Whereas the 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 growth mindset, the high performance leader is going to stand at the front of the room in total vulnerability and authenticity and say, I don't have the answer to this. What do you guys think? Right? Which just gives that whole room permission to not have it all figured out, to be curious, to lean into spaces that we don't have figured out yet because there's more to learn. There's more capacity for us all to discover. I think even just that can carry so much weight, not, not only in creating the psychologically safe conditions, right, for us all to go and grow collectively together, but yeah, I just think, you know, leading by example to me is just like one of the most influential things that you can do for your people because that is being a steward of possibility for them to follow. So beautiful. I hope we are all role modeling for our team because yes, 100%. I completely agree. I love this. The one piece of this that I think is really hard, at least I'll speak for myself, is hard for me, is to hold intention both I am really good at this and I could always still be better at this. Right. And like there is the place where kind of the growth mindset piece always like I'm a fully growth mindset person. I like to think. But there's always this little piece of me that's like, but the things that I'm good at, I'm good at. And therefore, those things I shouldn't need more growth on because I'm already good at them. And then that's where it all falls apart when it's like, oh, wait a second. I thought I was good at this. Maybe I'm not so good at this. Is that really true? Do you have any thoughts about how we can both kind of embrace the things that really are strengths and acknowledge for ourselves that there are things that we are very good at. It doesn't mean we can't grow more, but we can sit in that beauty of of our our gifts or the things that we've worked really hard for without making everything always have to be, uh, well, there's still more to learn. There's always more to learn. I'm not actually very good at anything because I still have to learn. Well, I think this this is the starting point in our process, at least, right? Is like it always begins with being the expert in thyself, right? Like the whole way that you beat things like imposter syndrome is by learning how to see yourself. And I think that that's so important, right? Because, you know, if you're the expert in you, you can discern, like, is this something that I feel like I really have figured out? And I think if you can stand on solid ground with some modicum of self-belief in terms of that which you have already figured out and you feel like that legitimately is a strength, then I think it, it lends itself because you have the confidence to actually look at your edges and find those edges proactively, right? So that then you can actually open up a different resource known as courage, right? Because most people don't see that as being a different state, but it absolutely is, right? Like courage is you being able to embrace uncertainty. And I think sometimes if we don't come through the lens of seeing ourselves and knowing thyself and feeling that modicum of like, yeah, like I got value to bring to this space, 
yeah, I think that's what actually enables us and empowers us to step into spaces and places of uncertainty. Some people call it the unknown and have a busted up relationship with that pressure. For me, that's the guaranteed growth zone. So I actually think it's just learning how to strategically, again, from a mindset perspective, go through one avenue to get to the other that is really optimal. Okay, let's go to this Leadership 2.0 that you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago. Can you tell us more about this? So this is our mission here at Team Elite. We're very passionate about changing the way the game is being played through this concept known as uh, Leadership 2.0, which we kind of came up with, right? Because in our locker room, we were just really um, noticing because we work with high achievers, right? That's our whole process. We specialize in that type of mindset and turning that mindset into the high performance mindset. We prop them up. We train the growth mindset. We give them the strategies and the tools, but then they go into these 1.0 led conditions, right? Where it was like largely this old school mentality around leadership that was born out of the industrial era. The power over rather than the power within, right? And so now here we are in 2023, especially post-pandemic, where we have more data and research than we've ever had in this space, right? To really set us up to want to leave those 1.0 practices behind. But the reality is it's a, a huge, huge, huge undertaking in terms of the level of behavior modification that needs to be affected. So Leadership 2.0 is new school leadership, best practices, neuroscience, data-driven, research-backed, right, human-centric style of leadership. And this really is statistically what it just knocks everything else out of the park. Um, but even further than that, that the HBR, the Harvard Business Review, actually did um, an incredible amount of research last year around just even the leadership development space, right? And looking at, you know, of the $360 billion that's spent on this stuff globally annually each year, 75% of it is still being rated completely ineffective, meaning it did not impact a damn result, which is so heartbreaking for us, right? Because here we are trying to tell people, like, we have like all these resources in terms of how we can set you up to like have max impact as a leader, but most of it isn't even working. So it tells you, right, like why we're still in a space where we're making this transition to leadership 2.0. The 25% that was rated effective in this research were only the companies that focused on mindset because that's the neuroscience piece. That's the step of depth that you need to go to, as you can tell from our conversation today, to actually affect behavior modification. And so that's really what it's all about. That's why we see this form of leadership development as having the potential to change the way the game is being played forever. Right. Because it actually, yeah, neuroscientifically goes to the, the step of depth required to have that that level of impact we need to have to make this transition a successful one. I wonder if you have any stories from your clients that you can share about someone who went through that process and how it played out for them. Right off the top, I actually just had a session with one of my leaders this morning who was just such a classic perfectionist when he came through through my door and and yet a ton of anxiety, like he was sleeping maybe three or four hours a night, which we can we can tell probably had him in a bit of scarcity at the start of the day. And given that the model carries the most weight, like his people were fried. They were burning out left, right and center. His retention was terrible and it was it was tailspinning his business. And so, yeah, I had a, a call with him this morning and 
it's been, I want to say probably about a year, year and a half since he's been working with me. And it's a totally different story. Now he's like, not only is he in the growth mindset, right? But he's doing mindset development with his leadership teams now. And they are perpetuating that down to the front lines. And yeah, I mean, their revenue has never been better. He just uh, surpassed uh, nine digits in his business this year. So wow, yeah. So like he's scaling hard and he's on that steep growth trajectory now because he embraced embraced this in his model and then he empowered his people to, you know, his leaders to develop it in their wheelhouse too. So if that's something that that people who are listening right now want to do and they're like, yes, I want to embrace it and I want my team to embrace it beyond role modeling, which we already know is clearly the number one thing to do. Do you have any suggestions for how we, we talk about it with our team, how we introduce it, how we familiarize them with these concepts so that it can become part of our language and our ethos. Yeah, I think a really simple suggestion is probably even just to get your teams reading Carol Dweck's research in her book, the you know, on the growth mindset. I think that's a really powerful entry point because then that would open up and elicit a level of conversation where you actually could then just resonate with your people and help them raise the self-awareness because the self-awareness for me is the mother of all skills in the mindset arena. Um, yeah, there's research around this, and I'm, I can't remember who it is. Uh, Tashi Urich does all the self-awareness research, but it basically states that, um, yeah, like it's like driving. We all think we're great drivers, right? But only 12% of us in leadership game are self-aware. So I think you can't solve what you don't acknowledge. Awareness comes before intelligence. So I think the most effective thing you can do if you're curious to even get started on this mission with your people is just to start raising, cranking the high beams on their self-awareness, right? And I think a book is a great way to do that because then it opens up like common language, right? And questions that you then can all start to riff on together just to sort of catch a sight line on where your people are starting from. That really is what sets a leader up to act intelligently in terms of the leadership development decisions that they're going to make. Yeah. Well, and how great to be like, we're going to learn together, right? We're going to start learning about how we can all learn. Exactly. Yeah. We can make that a part of our ongoing teamwork too, to be continually helping ourselves get better at what we do. And let's read this book together and let's all get better together. Yeah. And I think that's important, right? Because it's just soul crushing. When you read the, the research in this space, the average leader doesn't even get formal leadership development until the age of 42. Um, on average, they've been in the job about 10 to 12 years before they even receive, like they've been leaders for 10 to 12 years before they even get formal development. And leadership is a behavior. So it takes time to condition behavior, right? So I think the sooner you're starting to crank the, the high beams of self-awareness just in and around, like, you know, the curiosity to want to go on that type of journey towards learning about this stuff, the better. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are running out of time. So Susan, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fabulous boss? You know, what's so interesting is that I have never really worked for anybody. I came right out of school and opened up my practice. I'm such an anomaly, though. I realize that. But I will refer to some of my hockey coaches. I had some phenomenal hockey coaches throughout the year. I specifically am thinking about one that I had in high school. His name was Peter Saliba. I think of him as a manager. He was my coach, right? But what I loved about him is he was the first coach that I have ever met 
that actually empowered me because, you know, I was a Canadian. I went down on scholarship. I knew some things, right? He was the first coach who ever empowered me to confer with him on different drills that we could run and different plays that I would suggest. And he like was so collaborative. And in high performance athletics, that is still rare, believe it or not. You know, like coaches, again, they kind of default to needing feeling like they got to have it all figured out at the front of the locker room. He did it. He went shoulder to shoulder with me. And it just was so empowering for me to feel a part of the process. And I swear, I put up the best points in my whole career I played for him. Wow. And we always say that, like, managers are also coaches, right? We have to coach our people the same way that we need coaching, too, to help us be our best. So I love that your coach was like a fabulous partner to you in that way. And it's a good yeah, role model for us. He was so 2.0. He was probably the first 2.0 manager I had. That's amazing. And so much better than the swim coaches that I had. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I can only imagine, girl. I could only imagine. Yeah. Oh, it's so different. Know. <laughs> it's so amazing to me that in a space of peak performance, again, we're still so far behind on best practices. That's another area we're very passionate about figuring out. All right. Well, where can people learn more about you, keep up with your work, listen to your podcast? Tell us all the good Woo! stuff. Yeah, definitely come check us out on the podcast. Uh, the Leadership Launchpad Project is what uh, the name of that podcast is. It's on all major podcast platforms, I believe. If you're curious to learn more about uh, Elite High Performance or the, dream, the Elite Dream Team, I've got a, a bench full of very passionate high-performance coaches who specialize in high-performance athletics high-performance career, leadership, um, come check us out at the website, EliteHighPerformance.com, where you can learn more about all of our different programs, masterminds, certifications, and I'll also just book some time with one of us if you feel like you want to get curious about where you're at, you know, raise those high beams of self-awareness on yourself. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Susan Hobson, or Instagram, at Susan L. Hobson. Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan. Such a fun conversation, digging deep in the mindset. I love it. This is such a good riff. As always, I knew it would be. That's why I was so excited to get in here with you again today. Susan is offering five members of Podcast Plus a free 30-minute self-awareness awakening session with one of the elite high-performance coaches to help them turn up the high beams on their self-awareness. In the members-only extended interview, Susan and I talk about the connection between emotional intelligence and mindset and one technique anyone can use to shift their mindset. Members also get a $100 discount from Terry Schmidt of episode 277 on services from her company, Stronger to Serve, which is valid until November 17th. To get the extended interview, guest bonuses, and many more member resources, join Podcast Plus at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 